Section 7 of That Christ is One by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by P. E. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. You will then clear this up to us still more? Albeit, as I suppose, a clear and sufficient discourse has already been worked out by me on these subjects, I will, without any backwardness, add to what I said other things also, and taking up a not ignoble advocacy of the divine dogmas, as a sort of full armour, I will rear up the truth against them who think perverse things. For that the only begotten word of God, no other son than he, mediating the economy, and connected with him accidentally, hath made void the mastery of death. But that he by his own self hath done it, he will prove, saying, God so loved the world that he gave his Son the only begotten, in order that every one who believeth on him should not perish, but have life everlasting. When God the Father exalteth highly his love for the world, and says that it is exceeding great and vast, why do our opponents disparage it, saying that not the truly Son has been given for us, but bring up one of those who are as we, who has the grace of sonship from adoption, into the place of the Son by nature, whereas it was the only begotten who was given for us. And whereas John hath clearly written, The only begotten God which is in the bosom of the Father, how will not one marvel at them for their unlearning, who thrust out the only begotten God the Word from the economy, and bring in, in his place, as I said, a certain one embellished with glories from without him, and having the name of Godhood, put upon him. And what, great and worthy of admiration, will there be any longer apparent in the love of the Father, if he hath given for it some piece of the world, and that a small one? Or perhaps it would be even unblameable to say that the world hath been redeemed having nothing from God, but ministered to in his behalf by its own parts. They say that the only begotten has been given by the Father, that he should administer our affairs, not in order that he should suffer aught of what is human himself in his own nature, for it is impossible. He will suffer in his own nature nothing at all, for being unembodied as God, he will full surely be external to suffering. But since according to his own voice, I mean that through the psalmist's lyre, a body has been prepared for him by the Father, he came embodied to do his will. And this was the redemption through the precious cross, and the summing up anew of all things, full well accomplished through him and in him. And the most excellent Paul will aid to what I said, having written on this wise, Be ye thus minded each one of you, as was also Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, deemed not the being equal with God a thing to seize, yet emptied himself, taking bondman's form, made in likeness of men, and found in fashion as a man, abased himself, made obedient to death, yea, the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him, and gave him a name which is above every name, in order that, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of heavenly and earthly and neath the earth, and every tongue confess, Lord Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. For whom, dost thou say, is he who is in the form of God the Father, and, when he might have remained in equality with him, 
deemed the so preeminent and God-befitting dignity and the excellency above all to be not a thing to seize. Is it not God the Word, who beamed forth from Him? How is this not obvious to all? But this He who was in the form and equality of the Father, taking bondman's form not by an accidental connection, made in likeness of men, and found in fashion as a man, for he was together herewith God too, abased himself, and became obedient also unto death, yea, the death of the cross. But it is said, they say, of him that God gave him a name which is above every name, in order that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow. That which the word was, that is God, how will he be conceived as taking? Need, therefore, is it to say, rather, that to the assumed man has been given the name which is above all, that we be not caught deeming aught incongruous respecting the only begotten? Then how were it not incomparably better to say that it has been given by the Father to the by nature Son, made man for our sakes? in order that he may be conceived of as God even in human nature, and in supremest heights he who endured abasement as we, in order that no new and late-appearing God may be introduced to both angels and men, having the glory of the Godhead not essentially inexisting, but come in from without, and as it were at the mere will of God the Father. To the word himself, therefore, which sprang from forth God the Father, do we say that the name which is above every name has been given? Full surely. And our argument will not err from its course if it is not false that he deemed the being equal with God to be not a thing to seize, but hath descended unto the not-being in glory, in that he appeared as man. Therefore he also said, The Father is greater than I although he had the right, in that he ever existeth in him, as he is conceived of, and is God, and hath been begotten from forth him by nature, to have exactness with him in everything, and to rejoice in the glory of the Godhead. One must therefore not suppose that he who for our sakes descended into the measure of the human nature, fell from his inherent natural splendor and excellence, but that in emptiness that belongs to us, he has fullness divinely, and in abasement loftiness, and that which belongs to him by nature to be worshipped by all, he has as a gift by reason of his human nature. For to him boweth every knee of things, both in heaven and upon earth, and every rank praiseth. For Christ Jesus is believed to be Lord unto the glory of God the Father. And verily he said to God the Father which is in heaven, Father, glorify me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Was then, tell me, the man prior to the world whom they say has been assumed by the only begotten by a non-essential connection? By no means. Who then is it who is asking for glory, which he says was inexistent in himself even before the very foundation of the world, he ever and continually being with God? Is it not God the Word, co-eternal with the Father, co-throned and co-existent with Him, of whom the all-wise evangelist John saith, The Word was with God, and the Word was God? How should it not be so? 
as therefore being lord of glory and then letting himself down to the ill repute of a bondman's form he asks for a recovery of his ever inherent glory doing this too as beseemeth man thus always being god he goes up from the measures of our estate to the excellence and glory of his proper godhead in order that as to one son henceforth by nature and very albeit made as we and incarnate every knee should bow as i just said for i think that so minded and thus believing we shall rid heaven and earth from the charge of worshipping a man for it is written thou shalt worship the lord thy god and him only shalt thou adore the argument hereon will need very much support proceed therefore i pray and elucidate the mystery to us by means of other conceptions also i will then proceed very gladly but i would say that they have missed the truth in coupling as though another son him who is of the seed of david with him who is by nature and truly i mean the only begotten albeit holy writ clearly cries aloud the first man of earth earthy the second out of heaven and moreover the son himself i have come down from heaven not in order to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the will of him that sent me that everything which he hath given me i should not lose aught from it but should raise it at the last day whom then do they say is he who hath come down out of heaven for the body hath been born of a woman the word that is begotten from forth god the father for i suppose that they will not please to think anything else than this right my friend and the all-wise john too hath somewhere written he that cometh from above is above all then how when it pleaseth the father that all which is given him should rise and the thing is good and moreover god befitting for to save is like god does he say that he came down not to do his own will but that of the father will then any man among us suppose that the son who is born of him comes behind the clemency of god the father and is in no wise good but that raising up that which is given and ridding it of decay is a thing uncongenial to him there is risk of it yet we should with reason deem that since he is the genuine offspring of a good father he will be conceived of as himself also good or goodness itself for from the fruit the tree is known according to his own voice and he will be true saying he that hath seen me hath seen the father i and the father are one you say well clear up then yourself what seems to have been obscurely said we say that annulling death and driving away decay from men's bodies was a thing not unwilled by the son for he delighteth not in the destruction of the living and the generations of the world were healthful as it is written but by envy of the devil death entered into the world but in no other way was it possible to shake off the cheerless mastery of death save by only the incarnation of the only begotten therefore hath he appeared as we and he made his own a body subject to decay according to the inherent plan of its nature in order that since himself is life for he hath been begotten of the father which is life he might implant therein his proper good life 
and when he had once chosen out of his clemency and loving kindness to undergo likeness with us needs must the passion too befall him when the impiety of the jews was raging against him but the disrepute in his passion was burdensome to him and in truth when the time was coming on wherein he had to endure the cross for the life of all in order that he might show that the passion was not willed he made his approach as beseems man and in form of prayer saying father if it be possible let this cup pass from me yet not as i will but as thou he says that he came down out of heaven to make that which was grievous not unwilled in order that he might achieve resurrection for them on the earth which he alone hath new wrought for the race of man. For he has been made firstborn from forth the dead, according to the flesh, and firstfruits of them that are fallen asleep. His, therefore, and not another's, will be said to be the passion, in that he hath appeared as man, even though he hath remained impassable, as he is conceived of as God. Thus I say, Call to mind the God-inspired scripture, which says, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, the last Adam a quickening spirit. Do we then say that the word from forth God has been called the last Adam? Not bare, as I said, but made in likeness with us. We say, therefore, that he is, if to quicken be no work of man, but God-befitting. He has, too, the name of the last Adam, as made out of Adam according to the flesh, and a second beginning of those on earth, the nature of man being transelemented in him into newness of life, life in holiness and in corruption through the resurrection from the dead. For thus was death done to naught, in that the life by nature endureth not to submit its own body to decay, because it was not possible that Christ should be holden of it, according to the voice of the most wise Paul and thus passed through unto us too the good from this achievement. You say well. Look now at this besides. What do you mean? Christ said somewhere to the holy apostles, Go, disciple all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We have therefore been baptized into the holy and consubstantial Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is it not true what i say how should it not do we not conceive of him who hath begotten as father the only begotten god the word again begotten from forth him as son surely how then have we been baptized into his death as blessed paul saith for as many he says of us as were baptized into christ were baptized into his death yet one lord one faith, one baptism. And we will not say that we have been baptized into him that is forth of the seed of David, as into another and several son. But since, being by nature God, he is conceived of as beyond suffering, and was pleased to suffer, in order that he might save those who are subject to decay. He was made like in all things unto them who are on earth, and underwent birth after the flesh from forth a woman, and made, as I said, his own a body, capable of tasting death and living again, in order that himself abiding impassable, he might be said to suffer in his own flesh. For he it is who hath saved that which was lost. And verily, he said in plain terms, 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd layeth down his life for the sheep. And again, no one taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down, and have authority to take it again. But it belongs not to one of us, nor to a common man, to have authority to lay down his life, and to receive it back. But the only begotten and truly Son hath laid it down, and he took it back, placing us outside of death's meshes. And one may very easily see this outlined in the Mosaic books, too, in shadow unto them of old. For the sacrifice of the sheep, rescued from death and decay, them of Israel, and abashed the destroyer. But it was a type of Christ. For Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us, in order that he might undo the cheerless mastery of death, and might by his own blood win all under heaven. For we were bought with a price, and are not our own. For one died for all, he, he whose worth surpasses all, in order that they which live no longer live to themselves, but to him who died for them and rose. Paul too will aid, saying, For I through the law died to the law, in order to live to God. I have been co-crucified with Christ. No longer live I, but Christ liveth in me. And what I now live in the flesh, I live in faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ's, therefore, are we all, and through him have we been reconciled to the Father. Christ, having suffered in the flesh for us, in order that he might manifest us, cleansed. For it has been written, Wherefore Jesus too, in order that he might cleanse the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. And again, And you who once were estranged, and enemies in your understanding by wicked worries, he hath now reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and spotless before him. Understand, therefore, how he says that it was his proper blood and his proper flesh which was given for us, in order that we should not say that it belonged to a son other than he, conceived of individually and honored with a bare connection, and having an adventitious glory and non-essential excellence, and, as a cloak and sort of mask thrown over him, the name of sonship and of Godhead that is over all things. For if he is by nature, in such case as the opponents like to think, in no wise will it befit him to have to say, I am the truth. For how is that true which is not as it is said to be, but is something bastard and falsely called? But verily Christ is truth, and over all as God. For the word hath remained what it was, even though it have been made flesh in order that he which is over all and hath been made among all by reason of the human nature, may have preserved to him the being above everything and beyond the measures of the creation. But, he says, the being set to suffer will impress on God the word much ill repute, and will besides perchance bring accusation upon our august mystery. Yet, despising the shame, he chose to suffer in the flesh for our sakes, according to the Scriptures. And I would account it a frailty of Jewish mind, and a dread charge of Gentile infatuation, to think it right to be ashamed of the suffering on the cross. The divine Paul writes, Seeing that both Jews ask for signs, and Greeks seek for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews an offense, to the Gentiles foolishness, 
but to them which are called Jews and Greeks, Christ, God's power and God's wisdom, because the folly of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. How? For I do not at all understand. Does he not say that the suffering on the cross was an offense to the Jews, foolishness to the Greeks? For the ones said, when they saw him hanging from the wood, wagging their bloodthirsty heads at him, If thou art the Son of God, come down from the cross, and we will believe thee. For they supposed that, worsted by their might, he was taken and suffered. For they were in error, supposing that he was not truly Son of God, but looking to the flesh alone. And the Greeks, able in no wise to understand the depth of the mystery, deemed it folly that it should be said by us that Christ died for the life of the world. Yet is this very thing that seemeth to be folly wiser than men? For deep is the word, and verily replete with the highest wisdom, that I mean in regard to Christ the Saviour of us all, and that which is thought to be weakness by the people of the Jews is stronger than men. For the only begotten word of God hath saved us, putting on likeness to us, in order that, having suffered in the flesh, and risen from the dead, he might set forth our nature superior to death and decay. And that which has been achieved is beyond the reach of our estate. Hence, stronger than men is that which seemeth to have been wrought in infirmity as ours, and as it were in suffering, and it affords proof of God-befitting power. Then how will the same, they say, suffer and not suffer? by suffering in his own flesh, and not in the nature of Godhead. And wholly ineffable is the plan of these things, and no mind can attain ideas so subtle and exalted. Yet following reasonings which tend to right belief, and viewing the plan of what is fit, we neither alienate him from being said to suffer, lest we first say that the birth too after the flesh is not his, but another's, nor do we define that the things pertaining to the flesh have been wrought upon his divine and supremest nature. But he will be conceived of, as I said, as suffering in his own flesh, albeit not suffering in his Godhead, after some such mode as this. And every force of illustration is feeble, and comes behind the truth, yet it sends into the mind a subtle imagination of the reality, and, as it were, from what is before it, brings it up unto the height which is beyond the reach of words. For as iron, or other such matter, in contact with the onset of fire, gives it admission, and travails with the flame, and if now it chance to be struck by aught, the matter struck admits of injury, but the nature of the fire is in naught damaged by that which strikes. Thus will you conceive, in regard of the Son being said to suffer in the flesh, not to suffer in his Godhead. And petty, as I said, is the force of the illustration, but it bears nigh to the truth them who choose not to disbelieve the Holy Scriptures. You say well. For if the flesh, ineffably, and above mind and reason, united to him, were not made absolutely the word's own, how will it be conceived of as life-giving? For I am, he says, the living bread which came down from heaven, and giveth life to the world. If any one eat of this bread, he shall live for ever. And the bread which I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. But if so be the flesh belong to a son other than he, appropriated to him by a non-essential connection, 
and called by favour to equality of honour, how doth he name it his own, though he cannot lie? And how will another person's flesh, too, quicken the world, if it have not been made the own flesh of life, that is, of the word which is forth of God the Father, of whom the divine John says, And we know that the Son of God is come, and he gave us understanding in order that we might know him. And we are in his very Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and everlasting life. But I suppose that they would say to this, that it had been clearly said by him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have not life in you. We therefore understand, they say, that the honoured body and blood are not those of God the Word, but of the Son of Man which has been connected with him. Then wherever will they put the mighty mystery of piety? For destroyed is the emptying of God the Word, who was in the form and equality of the Father, and chose for our sakes to take bondman's form, and be made in likeness of us, and to partake blood and flesh, and to make the economy of the Incarnation his largesse to all under heaven. For through it have been saved, the Father summing up all things in him, both the things in heaven and the things on earth, as it is written. If, therefore, they say that not he is the only begotten who says in God-befitting way and human-wise alike, and the bread which I will give is my flesh for the life of the world, but that some son of man other than he, conceived of apart by himself, hath saved us. It is not the Lord himself, as it is written, but one from among ourselves. And the things which are subject to decay are quickened henceforth, not through God, who is mighty to quicken, but by one of them who are subject to decay, who received along with us life of favour. But if it is true that the word has been made flesh, according to the Scriptures, and appeared on earth and conversed with men, having bondman's form as his own, he will be called also Son of Man. And if some feel ashamed at this, they will be caught placing themselves under charge of unlearning. For in no other way was it possible that flesh should become life-giving, albeit of its own nature subjected to the need of decaying, except it have become the proper flesh of the Word, which quickeneth all things. For thus it inworks what is His, replete with His life-giving power. And no marvel, for if it is true that fire, having intercourse with matter, renders it warm, though not warm of its own nature, for it puts into it full richly the operation of its inherent power. How does not rather the Word, being God, put his own life-giving power and operation into his proper flesh, united to it and making it his own, without confusion, without turning, and in mode as himself knoweth? It is therefore necessary to confess that it hath entirely become, none other intervening, the proper body of the Word, that is forth of the Father, though ensouled with reasonable soul. Most certainly, if we define aright the unerring word of the faith, and are lovers of the doctrines of the truth, and track the faith of the Holy Fathers, not borne aside from the right way, nor letting go the king's pathway, carried off by the vain speakings of some unto a debased mind, 
but rather built up on the very foundation, that is, Christ. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid. As the, in truth, wise master builder and priest of his mysteries has written. We believe, therefore, that one is the Son of God the Father, and conceived of in one person, our Lord Jesus Christ, begotten forth of God the Father, divinely as word before every age and time, in the last times of the age the same, made according to the flesh from forth a woman, and to him we allot both the God-befitting and the human. And his, we say, was the birth after the flesh, and the suffering upon the cross. For that he made his own, the whole that belonged to his proper flesh, yet hath remained impassable in the nature of the Godhead. For thus to him boweth every knee, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, unto the glory of God the Father. Amen. End of section 7. Recording by Jonathan Lang and Phil Chenever. End of That Christ is One by Cyril of Alexandria. Translated by P. E. Pusey.